Welcome to Figuring Out Families by Magellan Media, where we help families be the best they can be. In this, the financial series, we address one of the biggest issues faced by families and speak to experts to get practical advice on how families can avoid the pitfalls when managing their finances, as well as how to recover when financial difficulties arise. I'm David Ahern. My guest today is author, podcaster, blogger, Serena Bird. Serena is a former diplomat and the author of The Joyful Frugalista, where she chats happily with friends, family and the famous about frugality, saving, investing, well-being and living sustainability. In the last episode, we talked about the impact of the pandemic, how families have suffered financially and mentally in recent times. In this episode, we'll discuss the need for people to reach out for help if need be. Serena, welcome back to Figuring Out Families. Thank you so much for having me. No, it's a pleasure. Perhaps a little recap in order. Uh, Do you think more families have gone backwards during the pandemic? Um, As we discussed in the last episode, I think it's been unequal. Like some people have really done very well. Uh, There's a skills uh, uh, crisis, so there's a candidate shortage for people who have unique top-level skills. Uh, Housing prices have also gone up, so that's benefited people who'd already bought property and the share market had gone up. However, for those people who perhaps had lost their businesses or are on lower incomes or were in things like retail or sectors like aged care, it's, um, it's not a good picture for them. So I think it sort of uh, exacerbated the divide between the haves and the haves not, have-nots. Yeah, no, that, that's right. And many people feel embarrassed if they have m- money issues and aren't coping. I imagine a feeling of shame would be overwhelming, but it's true to say this could happen to anyone and people shouldn't feel shame, but seek help if they're uh, suffering. Look, that's a really, really good point. I think for so long there's been so much emphasis on the economy. You know, you think about how you you talk about whether a country, for instance, is doing well or not. It's all measured by GDP, gross domestic product. So everything, the focus on nearly everything is on on the economics. You know, if you've got a big house, you're seen to be successful. If you drive a big you know, an expensive car, you're seen to be successful. So when people aren't meeting these metrics, these these economic metrics, we see that they are not succeeding in life. Um, And particularly for some people, particularly guys, you know, the need to be a provider is a really strong part of their um, ethos and their values. And when they feel that they're not being able to provide in this way, it can have a huge effect. I mean, the reality is it's it's just numbers. Now, it, it is a little bit more than numbers, obviously. You can buy things um, with your money, obviously. But, you know, those numbers and your ability to purchase things should not be a reflection of your true worth. You know, like yeah. money in the bank is just one of our forms of capital. You know, it's just that's just financial capital. There's social capital. There's a whole lot of different sorts of capital. It doesn't reflect your standing in the community. It doesn't reflect how you are in your family. But, of course, there's so much emphasis put on this that when something unexpected does happen, of course many people feel a deep sense of shame, like somehow they've failed, like somehow there's something wrong with them. And um, that's often one of the first barriers or blockages um, that prevents people from getting help and to really sitting down and looking at their budget, looking at their financial situation, getting another job, maybe selling a house or selling, you know, some some assets to get ahead. Yeah, no, and that's a good point to raise. For a long time, people have looked at money and equated that to success. 
uh, and haven't looked at other things. And that's a very good point you're making. It reminds me of that movie in the late 80s, uh, Gordon Gecko, whatever his name was, Greed is Good. Uh, mm. And you know, the, the, the 80s were just crazy. People were spending money like it was going out of fashion. And then, of course, it led to a really bad recession. Um, so there are a lot of lessons to be learned in things like that. Yeah, exactly. And I think COVID has really recalibrated things for some people, not for everyone. But for a lot of people, they suddenly went, well, you know, I used to spend so much out on the pub on Friday night, um, or I used to spend so much on holidays, or I spent so much on handbags and so much on clothing. Well, now that I'm working from home, I mean, really, who cares what I'm wearing? It's only enough for, you know, you only need things for, for Zoom calls, really. So I don't need to spend all that money on those sorts of things. And actually, I'm really enjoying actually seeing my family, who I haven't seen for a long time, because usually I was working such long hours and commuting. Yeah. Um, and, you know, did I really need that stuff? In you know, in the first place, was I better off actually just talking to my neighbours, talking to my family, um, you know, in, enjoying the pleasures of jigsaw puzzles and sourdough breaking, uh, baking? So for some people, you know, COVID was a, a real trigger to reassess their priorities and to choose a, a, a simpler form of life. But then for others, there's this revenge spending kind of um, phenomena. Uh, I had a friend who used to work in luxury uh, goods. She worked for a luxury jewellery uh, brand and she was really surprised in the latter part of 2020, her sales went through the roof. So back in 2020, we were still at a stage where people thought that the economy was, you know, completely, you know, going to be um, hollowing out. You know, it was almost like an Armageddon type thing. We thought that, you know, the world was going to end. And yet she noticed all these people buying these luxury jewellery. And she's like, what's going on? And it's people mm. saying, oh, well, my holiday to Bali got cancelled. So yeah. I thought I'd come and buy, treat myself to some nice new jewellery. Yeah. Oh, and look, at the end of the day, uh, if you can afford it, then good luck to you. I know people who've bought a lot of shoes during the last two years. Uh, and uh, I, I have a penchant for shoes too. If I buy anything online, it's usually <laughs> shoes. I don't know why. What, what a confession to make. <laughs> yeah, I know that might come back to haunt. But anyway, that's all right. Um, but yeah, it, it has been an interesting two years. And I, I guess the point you make is a good one that if there's been an upside, it's people have reassessed their priorities and perhaps. Uh, talked to the neighbours more or uh, got in contact with family members again through even through Zoom meetings or whatever. And that has been a good thing because uh, it, it, it's been a real big jolt for a lot of people. Yeah, it has. It has. And like I said, not everyone has come to that. Oh, I'm really happy not spending as much and downsizing kind of uh uh, conclusion. I certainly have, and a lot of people have. Um, and when you look at the data in terms of um, personal household debt, I think that's fairly consistent. Uh, but, you know, for some people, you know, it's, um, you know, they're, they're never really going to change in terms of their fixation with, 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 with consumer stuff. And there was a particularly a, a big problem during COVID of online gambling being on the rise. Um, and that's, you know, a, a continuing theme. And also people, um, particularly young people with their online shopping, you know, having too much to drink uh, and then buying things online and they forget what they've bought until the packages uh, turn up. Um, and this is much more widespread than you might think. Yeah, I'm sure it is. Uh, Serena, Serena, how do you put a couple or an individual at ease if they're suffering or struggling with their finances? Are there some points, some tips you can pass on to people? 
I think it's really important not to be judgmental. It's so easy to be judgy when people have got money problems. And people are often in a lot of stress um, when they're dealing with money problems. There's all of those, you know, shame, embarrassment, denial, anger, all of those sorts of emotions that, that come come with, with those sorts of problems. And also two studies show that our IQ levels also um, reduce when we are in debt. Uh, and this is partly too because we're just so stressed about everything. So it's really hard to find a path through to make good decisions. And so it's really easy to look at people who are you know, experiencing money problems and to go, well, you shouldn't have bought the new car then or you shouldn't have gone on that holiday. And why don't you give up the cigarettes while you're at it and um, you know, lay off the booze? Um, it's, it is so easy you know, from your white picket fence uh, you know, ivory towers to look at people going through this and to make those sorts of judgments. So the first thing is to have a judgment-free space because it can happen to anyone really for you know, any sorts of reason. And often when people are in stress, they will go back to the things that um, are habits for them, you know, whether it's you know, drinking or smoking or gambling or whatever it is that you know, have been things that they traditionally do to soothe themselves or, or shopping. Like I do a lot of online shopping or, or op shopping, I should say, when I'm stressed. So you know, that's what I do. Yeah. Um, so you know, just a judgment-free zone is the first thing and really listening in terms of you know, what the problems are and what the issues are. Um, and then pointing a clear path in terms of, you know, the importance in terms of making a budget um, and recognising too that people don't, when they are that stressed and anxious, that they have a, a low bandwidth for how much they can handle at a time. I had a friend on my podcast who had gone through, for all intents and purposes, I should should back backtrack a bit and say, mm. to all intents and purposes, was a successful middle-class woman working in IT, you know, on a fairly big wage and in yeah. her case uh, she and her former uh, partner separated and he had been managing the business so at the same time she also left that IT business and she didn't realize that they were just totally in debt because he'd been handling all the finances so not only was she leaving that relationship but she would also realized for the first time she was in a lot of debt and in the podcast she says that all she could handle was 10 minutes at a time about 10 minutes a day and so for people who are really going through those huge amount of stress well it's really important not to overwhelm them and say well you should do this and you should do this and should do this it's just let's yeah. just do like just just one small thing like a series of small things over a period of time will turn things around. Okay, yeah, good point. Uh, Serena, there's a correlation between families on or below the poverty line and children who have worse health outcomes and suffer from a range of illnesses. That in itself is a tragedy, really. Oh, yes, most definitely. Most definitely. It is a huge uh, tragedy. And, um, you know, uh, the poverty cycle, it, it's not something that I'm necessarily uh, equipped to talk about because I'm not an expert in terms of dealing with those those frontline issues. But, you know, certainly this is a huge issue. But in terms of, um, you know, just our abundance thinking, so much of what we think and know about money comes from our parents. So if we grow up with parents who are in poverty, who every time a child wants something, they say, oh, well, where's the money from that? Or we can't afford it. The big one, we can't afford it. Um, or um, I was catching up socially with a friend on the weekend who was uh, quite poor when she was young and she, she described herself as being povo from a oh. povo background and all through high school. That's how she saw herself. Um, these are the sorts of attitudes we take to money and abundance going forward forward in our life. So a lot of the work I do with my clients too is to unpick these sorts of messages that we've received 
know that it's no longer true for you as adults um, and to replace that with uh, some more positive beliefs around money. Yeah, no, that's right. And the poverty line, as we know, is a habit. It's hard to break, isn't it? It's the same with educational outcomes that uh, if you're born into poverty, uh, often it keeps going from generation to generation. Not always. Some people get out and can be quite successful, but that, that's the thing that um, really is sad when you see it gener- a generational sort of thing. Yeah, it is sad. And, you know, traditionally in Australia, the path out of that was through education, particularly tertiary education. But, of course, we're now seeing that the fees for for tertiary education are now getting higher and higher. Um, So it is much harder now for people who have struggled, um, you know, have been below the poverty line growing up to access those things. I mean, there are scholarships and there are a range of other things. But if you say have a learning disability when you are going through school, which might be compounded by what's happening at home, you know, it's much, it, it's not as easy to necessarily have access to those things. No, no, not at all. Uh, Serena, what sort of things lead to financial hardship? There could be a range of things. Like a, a key one is lack of financial literacy. Like a lot of people just live from pay paycheck to paycheck. Well, I mean, we don't have checks these days, but, you know, payday to payday. Um, and they just don't know how to manage their money. They mightn't have a, a household budget. They mightn't have any savings goals. And it's really easy to be critical of that. But, you know, often we're not taught these skills. Parents didn't have these skills. You're likely to do that as well. Um, and, you know, if everyone, if all your friends are out on Friday night and they're spending big at the pub, you know, it's really hard socially to step back and say, well, actually, I'm not going out this week because I'm saving money for my future. <laughs> it doesn't sound good, does it? <laughs> no, well, it's actually much better if you've got a goal. Um, it makes it a lot easier to, to get out of that. But So lack of financial knowledge and literacy is a key one. And then, of course, there's all the big life events that can happen. So, you know, uh, you might have um, had a relationship that ends suddenly uh, due to things like family and domestic violence, which was the case uh, for me. Uh, and that is much more common than you might think. And the more that we talk about it, the more we find, well, the more I talk about it and particularly, the more I find that there's other people, um, both women and men, who have had similar experiences and how devastating it has been on their finances, usually uh, because there's been an element of um, coercive control, particularly financial control in that relationship. So they've often had to rebuild from scratch. So that's a key one. Uh, financial infidelity. Um, which is often when, you know, you find out your partner has a whole other family or, you know, leaves you for someone else. This is also more common than you might think and can be devastating. Uh, There's a former uh, member of parliament in Canberra, a federal politician called Gay Brotman, and I had her on my podcast a year or two ago, I think now, and I invited her on because I thought some of the things she she had been saying about money were quite sound, but I had no idea about her backstory. And when she was a teenager, her father um, left them for another family he already had. And her mum basically coped by it because they had no money, by being constantly on a diet. So her mum was constantly losing weight uh, and they were going from household to household for dinners because her mum couldn't afford to, to, to cook dinner. They didn't have enough money for dinner and that's how she got through. So financial infidelity is really tragic and it is much more common than you might think. Um, and particularly if one uh, person in a partnership has had control of the money, the other person might have no idea about what's going on. It's easy to sort of follow, uh, easy to to basically hide their tracks of what's happening. 
Another big one, obviously, is gambling. Once again, it's really easy to be judgy with gambling, but it is just so prevalent in Australia. In fact, I believe we have some of the highest rates of gambling um, in the world. I'm just always shocked now when I, I look at the television how many ads there are for online gambling. Uh, mm. Things like the Melbourne Cup, you know, it's a bit of fun, right? But, yeah. you know, like it's really hard to say no to a sweepstake in an office environment. I mean, I've had to say no before because it doesn't fit my values. And people get very offended. Well, it's only a small amount. You, sh- you should put in. You should be betting. You know, did you back the winner? Uh, it is quite, uh, gambling has become quite pervasive in Australian culture. It sort of snuck up on us. Um, yeah. You know, a, a meal out at the pub, uh, you know, cheap meal out plus a bit of pokey. It's, it's If you're yeah. not playing pokies, people say, well, what's wrong with you? So all of these sorts of reasons uh, can lead to um, financial hardship. And often it's a combination of a few of them as well. Yeah, yeah, you raised some good points. We know about gambling, and I personally have a real problem with the number of gambling ads on TV these days and the number of gambling agencies around. It's just the, the proliferation in the last 10, 15 years has been extraordinary, and it's going to lead to all sorts of problems and uh, increased problems, I think, in the years ahead. Well, yes, exactly. Um, like I said, it's just mainstreams these things and makes it normal. Like it's just so accessible now. It's just so easy to get it on your app and your phone. And especially, um, you know, when people have been drinking, um, you know, our ability to have those filters on <laughs> to make good decisions Absolutely. is diminished, as we all know. Yeah. Um, so you're out with your mates, you've had a few things yeah. to drink, you know, you're watching your favourite sports team uh, play, whatever it is. Uh, and there's a game on and next thing the, the sporting ads come on. You're like, oh, yeah, I may as well try my luck. Um, and, you know, it's fairly easy at first, but it, it can go down a slippery slope. Yes, and you've got to be sensible. I've got friends in Adelaide who they just put a small amount uh, towards gambling on a Saturday at the races. might only be $15 and they stick to that. They never go over it. So I think you've got to have a mindset where you just have to uh, keep control there's nothing worse than saying, oh, well, I've lost three races in a row. I'll try my luck on the next one. And on the next one, that's when I think the problem becomes more and more of a, an issue. Uh, yeah, and I think knowing yourself too, if you're the sort of person who um, gets addicted to things fairly easily, yeah. um, you know, sometimes it's just best to stay away uh, totally. Um, but it is hard. Like I, I had a um, coaching client um, who had recovered from extreme gambling and she's not what I would have considered the profile, put it that way. But in her case, she had a relationship breakdown. She was lonely. She was a single woman. So she'd go to the club and she'd play the pokies because, you know, it was mm. bright lights, friendly people. Yeah. You know, it was that socialization for her, whereas sitting at home feeling miserable didn't provide that. And um, it just sort of got out of control quite quickly. So if you know you're that sort of person who's going to get addicted by these things, um, stay yeah. away. Stay, right. stay away or, or, or get help. And once again, it's that shame thing. Like people don't think, oh, it happens to someone else. It would never happen to me. I'm not that sort of person. Well, it can happen to everyone. I mean, these things are built to be addictive. They're built to draw you in. And if you find yourself going that way, you know, get some help. Yeah, absolutely. Serena, the overuse of credit cards has been a problem for a long time. Fair to say some people should take a scissors to their credit card or cards once they get their finances in order. Yeah, credit cards is a fascinating one because as a result of COVID, um, the balances on our credit cards have actually been going down rather than up. 
So Goodness. you would think, right, we've gone through yeah. a period of economic uh, challenges. You would think that people would be leaning on their credit cards. Well, maybe that's happened for some people, but I think most people have been feeling a little bit apprehensive about their future. So they've been paying down their debt and they've also been um, saving and investing more than ever before, which is really quite phenomenal, right? But Absolutely. that's not to say that credit cards aren't a problem. And, you know, for some people, if they have a bit of an addiction, um, you know, it's, it's something they rely on. And the other thing, too, is the, the um, proliferation of the buy now, pay later schemes. Um, you know, it started with Afterpay, but there's now a lot of them. In fact, some reports are saying that many of them are no longer that profitable because there are just so many out there on the market. Um, right. And while if you follow what they they provide you you are not paying interest but the fee, the fees and charges can still be significant and in many cases people don't have the money to start with so they they're paying those fees and charges paying those installments and then transferring the balance to a credit card so it's going to a credit card anyway yeah right okay and you're right there are there are a lot of um afterpay schemes now or well, one is called afterpay uh, and you can pay you know every <laughs> two weeks or whatever and I must admit I've used it myself but uh, that, that can get you in as well, for sure. Look, it can get a lot of problems, especially if you're telling yourself you're being responsible because, of course, you're paying with, with money rather than on credit. Um, but, you know, it still can be just as much as a problem if you overcommit. Um, yes. And you asked earlier about credit cards and whether you should cut them up. Now, this is a really interesting one too because with the uh, rise in online banking, it is actually really hard now to get away without a credit card. If you're traveling, it's actually hard to get away with a credit card. Many places, particularly if you're traveling or doing something like hiring a car, uh, booking accommodation, they won't necessarily accept a debit card. Like you can have a debit card that functions to all purposes like a credit card, like it might have a visa functionality. But instead of going into debt uh, and paying uh, interest on that, you are positive. Okay. But not everyone will accept them. Uh, so this right. is a real issue. Um, in modern life, it is actually quite difficult to get around without a credit card. Yeah, that's a, that's a point. I mean, I, I don't have many credit cards. I used to have a few and I've slowly brought them down. I think, you know, you only need one or two really. Um, but uh, the more you have, then the more chance. <laughs> I was going to say one, but actually we have two and for different reasons. And that is yeah. um, particularly if you are purchasing things from overseas. And yeah. I often am in terms of software, in terms of my business, you get um, hit with overseas transaction charges. So we yeah. have a credit card specifically uh, to avoid those charges. And then another one that gets points for everything else. Okay. Yeah, that make, well, that's good. That's very sensible. Now, Serena, research shows that financial hardship is the biggest cause of family breakdown. Have you got some simple tips for families if they feel like they're going backwards? Talk. Make talking about money really important. Like, um, if you think about it, so much of what we've been led to believe about successful relationships is based on money. You know, Valentine's Day, red roses, uh, you know, big engagement blingy engagement rings, you know, expensive dates, nights out, those types of things. Actually, we don't really need those things. What we actually need to do is to talk. And there's just so much power in terms of listening to other people. Um, and often, you know, we spend money trying to make the other person happy. But, you know, it'd be much easier if we actually ask them, well, what is it you actually want? So that's a big one. 
and setting, you know, the goal. Like often we think uh, that the things that we, we should be having to be happy as a family are things like big houses. You know, for your family, you should have a big house, you know, big safe car for those family holidays, you know, once again, uh, you know, looking fabulous and so lots of expensive clothes and, and other things. Uh, you know, big jobs that, you know, enjoy that require long hours and, and so forth. But when you actually start to talk and you start to listen, um, you might find out that what your family needs is, is quite different. Um, you know, you, and, and frame goals is really important. Having a joint goal as a family about what it is that your priority is. Um, when do you plan to retire? Uh, you know, who plans to take time off um, for children um, or, or how much time, all these types of things. Sure. And really for young couples, uh, you know, when they're dating and it becomes serious if they get married or move in together, whatever. It's probably a good thing, even at a very early age, to uh, set out goals, those sorts of goals. Well, yes. And, you know, it's really fascinating because people can go and they can be in a relationship and they can have children and they can talk about all that sort of stuff, but they never talk about money. It's become this new taboo often where you don't talk about money. And there's an interesting phenomenon now where some people are refusing to get into a relationship with people because they find out that they've got debt. Um, and women in particular, I think, were socialised to think that, you know, you spend up big on your clothes and, and your cosmetics and how you look and you'll meet a rich man and um, <laughs> he'll sort all of these problems out. Well, some of these guys are saying, well, you know what, I don't want your debt. So, you know, if you want to have a future with me, you go and you sort out your debt and then we'll talk, uh, which is a really interesting phenomenon. Um, so, yeah, it's it's changing quite a lot. Yeah, I mean, you, you, you'd, yeah, you'd want to be uh, careful, wouldn't you? If you're going out with someone who's got a huge amount of debt and you knew about it, I think I'd think twice. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's exactly it. And, you know, when I was, um, after I my first marriage uh, ended after domestic violence and I was on the dating scene again, I was like, well, do I really want someone who's in debt? I've worked so hard to provide for my children, to get in a good financial situation. Like I don't really want to lose all of that by repartnering with someone who's got substantial debt. Um, it's just, you know, I mean, you'd really have to love them to take that on. And of course, you know, love is an important thing, but it was something I really was very clear about. Yeah. And that's a fair point. And the other thing is, do you really want a, another partner? You've got your children, you've got your financial security. That's another big step, isn't it? When you find someone. <laughs> yes, it is. Well, I've now happily remarried and um, we Wonderful. share very similar financial goals we talk regularly about money um he's actually more frugal than I am so yeah it, it, it is all good but you know I think having someone who's aligned with your money values to start with um is really key because uh if you have someone who isn't aligned it's just it's going to cause a lot of conflict that's right exactly and that's why you need to talk in the early stages of a relationship about those sort of values and values generally it's so important yeah, exactly. And, you know, the money isn't just the dollars and cents when we talk about money values. It's, it's the whole range of unwritten things that we have taken on since childhood. We were talking before about the sorts of um, problems that can happen when you grow up in a household that's below the poverty line, you know, all those sorts of I'm a povo household sort of descriptions you take on. But there's other things that you might take on as well that you didn't even, you know, realise, like, you know, um, you might have a mindset that your children should go to private schools and um, that you would do anything to make that happen no matter, you know, what your your income is and that you'll make huge sacrifices. 
you might have a conversation that you should have a large annual holiday um, overseas or somewhere else because that's something you did when you were young and it was really important to you. Um, or you might have a, you know, have a belief that, you know, one a parent, particularly usually a mother, should spend a considerable amount of time with the children or give up her career altogether. Now, you might have had these unconscious values but you never actually, you know, articulated these. And, and then you have children and all of a sudden all these sort of values come out. So it's really important to think about, you know, what your values are and um, what's important to you and to be able to talk to the other person about that and then sort of come to, come to an agreement. My husband, for instance, really loves going on cruise ships. Obviously, you can't during COVID, but it's something mm. because his parents love doing it and it's really important. It's uh, perhaps less important to me, but it's really important to him. So therefore, we make it happen. Yeah, I could understand that. I never thought I'd like cruises, but I've been on a couple and they're actually not bad. <laughs> Very enjoyable, <laughs> in fact. Anyway, they've let out another secret. Um, <laughs> Serena, a recap of today, some of the main points. Some of the main points, oh goodness, there's so many things. Um, I think it's really important to be talking about money. This is really important, whether it's in relationships or other contexts, we just really need to get talking about money. There is no shame in having money problems. It can happen to anyone at any time. It can be anything from an unexpected event such as COVID to the end of a relationship or other events. And it's really important to seek help uh, when needed, to seek help when need be. Um, also, credit cards, while they have gone down in terms of their balances, they are still a trap. So just beware of overusing any kind of credit mechanism, whether it's credit cards or buy now, pay later. Yeah, no, that's, uh, that's good advice. I think uh, I like the scissors. I enjoy it when I used to cut up my <laughs> credit cards when I got the balance down to zero. I've done it a couple of times in the last 20 years. So uh, it does <laughs> fill me with joy, let me tell you. <laughs> yeah, it is very joyful when you can do that. Yeah. Serena, lovely talking to you again. Hopefully we'll be able to chat again soon. Uh, thank you for your time. Thank you very much.